Hey guys, I'm Cade, your host of the Primitive Podcast. On today's episode, we had William Ware, the president of Amarillo National Bank. Amarillo National Bank has been around for a really long time and here locally made a a big splash uh, recently in the acquisition of Lubbock National Bank. And so we sat down with William in his office in Amarillo and and got to know him a little bit and and talked a lot about leadership and what it's like uh, being a part of a a bank that's family owned. It was really fascinating and I hope you enjoy this episode. William Ware, uh, you're the what president president of Emerald National Bank. Um, been around for just a few years, I think. And so, uh, for for those who maybe don't know you very well, why don't you walk through your background, tell us a little bit about you, um, and talk a little bit about your journey, you know, to president of Emerald National Bank. Well, thank you, Kate. It's an honor to be here, and um, I, I'm very lucky to be in my position. I I, I really wake up every day thinking, wow, um, is this is this real? And um, honored to be in a family business, honored to be in Texas, where the economy's great and the people are even better. And um, never really saw myself as a, as a bank president, but um, boy, I thought it'd be cool to at least get a job in the family <laughs> business. And, and um, it's been such a, a wonderful journey. And um, I, I, I really, you know, all I knew was banking. Growing up, all we talked about was the bank. Every family dinner, every family lunch, every trip was all about the bank. I really didn't understand what a bank did. I just knew dad wore a suit and went to the bank every day. And um, our family's fifth generation Texan, and um, we've owned the bank for five generations as well. And so um, that's, that's probably been the neatest part of my upbringing was the roots, the traditions, the values, the history. Um, Everything was kind of ingrained to us at an early age. And, of course, in high school, I went to high school in Amarillo, big fan, uh, Tascosa Rebels. All right. And um, we played Lubbock, and they beat us every year. <laughs> so uh, any team from Lubbock always got us. But um, really loved growing up here because you had to be a little tougher. You had to get along with each other. We call it the circle of the wagons mentality where we work together. Um, we got to live outside and, and learn how to shoot a gun and sleep on the ground and, and weather the cold and um, work with others. And I think those are values that they don't really have in the larger cities. And you, you don't hear kids bragging about um, sleeping on the ground or bleeding or breaking bones as much as you, you probably used to. Uh, so honored to grow up here. And um, we had a lot of uh, community focus growing up. Um, we went to everything as a kid, and that's all I knew. And when I went to school in Dallas, loved to see the big city, loved to learn about what went on in the rest of the world, but I didn't get a sense of community. I didn't get the sense of pride that we have here. I, I worked at Frostbank right out of college. Thank God they hired me. That was a really a nail-biter uh, of an interview. My brother and I worked together there, and luckily we got hired on in their credit analyst department. And um, really loved working for another bank to see what went on, but it wasn't a family-owned bank. And they were publicly traded, so I learned a lot about um, maybe the other side of banking yeah. and um, some, some th- ways that I don't want to run a bank. Um, so I never thought I'd be using those principles today. Uh, got to A and B because I was ready to come home. 
I'd lived in the big city, tired of the traffic, tired of the cost of living. I could see my office building from my apartment, and it took me 45 minutes to drive there. Mercy. And so um, you you just get a little worn out of the big city, and I have nothing against them. Um, we can all learn from them. We all need to re- realize that that's, that's the future of a lot of these towns. They're all growing. We want them to grow. But it was neat to come back home. I had to apply. My dad made sure we applied here. He made sure I worked here every summer. Wow. Um, we had to earn our spot. And his first uh, quote was, we're not entitled to anything. You work here, you've got to earn it. You've got to earn the respect to your peers, and you've got to do every job in the bank. So thank goodness for uh, great leadership there. And um, really enjoyed the ride of striping parking lots at age 15, uh, cleaning windows at age 16, uh, commercial teller at age 17, and uh, I got to work every summer until after college and then worked in almost every department uh, since wow. then. Uh, now, lucky enough, I don't think anyone else wanted to be president, so maybe that's how I got well, it. That's my next question. How, how, how did that process work? So at what point did you become president, and what did, what did that journey look like? Uh, I, I did not realize you had pretty much worked in every department in the bank, which is pretty fascinating. And so what did the journey for you, you know, to being the president look like? Well, first and foremost, no one likes the owner's kid. And I learned that real quick as coming up through the ranks. You had a lot of animosity. There was a lot of um, also a little bit of placation and um, a little bit of almost con- uh, condescending behavior because, oh, don't don't tell him what to do because he's the owner's kid or don't discipline him because he's the owner's kid. Uh I didn't want that. I wanted to be respected and earn the spot just like anyone else should have. Um, Also, there's no, you cannot lead if you don't have the respect of your team and if you haven't done the job. So um, I had wonderful mentors that would pull me aside and say, okay, William, I had a a boss that said, no one likes you. Morale is low when you're around (laughs) and you've got a big ego and you got to knock that down. And I'm so grateful for those coworkers that did that. Mm -hmm. Now they're my dear friends and they're my mentors to this day. if I had not had someone kind of clip my wings and say, William, just because you might be an owner or you're the owner's kid doesn't mean it's handed to you. That's the secret to being a good leader and to being in a family business. Um, The toughest part was knowing you have to earn it, knowing that everyone's going to be watching you. There's a magnifying glass everywhere you go. The spotlight's always on you. I can't mess up. I've got to know what I'm talking about. I've got to be better. That was really hard because I never felt like I was good enough. How'd you learn how to manage that expectation? I mean, I mean, it, you know, knowing your sense of desire for achievement and accomplishment, how did you learn over time to like really handle, you know, handle that pressure, handle that kind of reality? It took a lot of checking in with others because I'd never really, I, I never really felt like. I deserve this spot. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of a fast track in a family business because they want to keep those values going in the leadership roles. So I made sure to check in with my peers. Hey, how am I doing? What can I do? You know, what what does the team think about me? And I would get wonderful feedback. You got to go back to school, William. You got to come in earlier. You got to leave later. There's a process you don't know. You got to go learn it. Or there's a job you got to do because they want that respect. So, um, it was the checking in, the making sure, hey, team, am I on the right track? Because um, if, if I'm if i doing it wrong, 
then I don't need to be here. Mm-hmm. And just because you own a business doesn't mean you need to be in the leadership role. And so I uh, made a really good point to surround myself with people that were smarter than me, knew more about the business than I had been here longer, and said, all right, hit me with all you got. That was probably the most uh, beneficial uh, part of my growth in the company awesome. be- because had I not had that, I probably would have been a little lost, um, had too big of an ego, also would have probably been lying to, to myself about my ability to lead. Hmm. That's good. That's really good. So how would you view your role as a leader at Emerald National Bank? Like when you think of your role, when you think of yourself as a leader, what kind of things come to mind as it relates to like really the impact and the influence that you feel like you need to make in, in your organization specifically? Uh, first and foremost is be a motivator. I think that's the the number my number one role here, and that's the number one role of, of most leaders. Your, your your number one task is to motivate, and uh, I think I think enthusiasm, positive energy, and and some knowledge all comes with that. And so, yeah, my job here is to set the tone. I, I'd sure like to make sure we're all working together, moving in the same direction. But um, to, to do that, you've got to be a motivator, and so it's uh, kind of how would I want to see my business is exactly how I need to act. Hmm. Um, I do believe you can, your leaders set the the direction. And so motivation is, is my biggest thing. I run around giving high fives and fist bumps. Yeah. I, I think that that's my biggest role here at the yeah. bank. You have over 800 employees. Is that right? Yeah. We're lucky enough to have an incredible team of bankers throughout West Texas. And, um, really try to always lead by example. We want department heads, managers, everyone moving in the same direction. And that starts with the top. If our executive team isn't doing the same things that um, maybe their managers are doing, then we've got a misalignment there. So what does that look like practically for for your leadership in the organization? You have 800 plus employees. What does it look like for you to be able to, um, you know, keep people on the same page and then move them forward? So what does your communication look like? How often are you meeting? I mean, like for your organization, what does it look like to stay on the same page, to have a shared vision and be moving in the same direction? I think if we can share each other's roles and if we're present, that's very important. Communication is key. I believe in face-to-face communication. I believe in meetings, but quick meetings. We don't like to do a lot of, we don't have a very big bureaucracy around That's got to make you very popular. Absolutely. Short <laughs> meetings, short memos, and, and in and out. But the, the idea of everybody moving in the same direction, we like to make sure that we see what's going on in our markets, in our branches, in our customer's office. My dad had the best quote ever. He says, a desk is a horrible place from which to view the world. He, mm-hmm. he obviously borrowed that quote from someone really smart. So <laughs> our goal is to get out, see the customers, see the branches, see the departments, and we encourage everybody to get out. The other thing that works around here is everybody can do everyone else's job. And the teamwork aspect of this, it's not, um, hey, that's my job or that's someone else's. It's, I can do your job if you need it, or what can I do for you to make your life better? So that that's how we um, showcase our leadership, by being present, being involved. We never delegate and leave. If we delegate, we're going to be right there with them. And that's one of my big leadership tenets, is leading by example. If I'm going to ask you to do something, I better sure be able to do it myself. Mm, that's good. That's really good. So, uh, you know, when you think of your past leadership roles and, and you think of all the experience, you know, over the last 10, 15, 20 years of growing up in the organization, 
What's been your approach to failure? I mean, it, everyone has, you know, kind of, um, you know, a certain way that they, they try to learn from failure and they approach a failure. So for William Ware, what, is it, what does it look like when you've experienced failure or loss or whatever? How do you approach it? Well, you've got to kind of take note of all your failures. Um, it's miserable. You feel awful. It's uh, something that needs to happen. If you're not failing a lot, you're doing something wrong. So you should just fail frequently. But I take notes of every single failure I've ever had. And I don't use it as a drag. I don't use it as uh, poor me or, or um, to bring me down. I use it as fuel to get better. Looking back, I realized I did a lot of stupid things. I had a big ego. I might have called a shot where maybe I didn't know enough about the the decision to do it. But uh, because I have failed, I feel like I am a better leader. And I will tell you, I have had way more failures than successes. And um, it, it can really eat at you. You can feel pretty low if you let the failures win. But I will tell you, if you're not failing, you're not getting any better. And um, don't internalize the negative of the failure. Please use it as fuel for your next success. I mean, it's just a log that you're throwing back into the fire. Yeah, that's really good. Um, when you think about, uh, you know, or when I think about, you have an 800-something employees, you know, you're moving into this, this role as president. It's a family-owned company, so you got the interactions with your family. Um, I mean, you have a lot of things pulling at you. You have different employee needs. You have the, the organization has needs. The, the family, which is the board, has needs. And there are different things, you know, pulling at your attention. How, how, do you, uh, how do you help William grow? How do you grow as a leader? How do you stay inspired? How do you empower your leadership? Like, how do, how do you approach that? Well, I like to look at other leaders for direction, and I like to make sure that our team is supporting each other and I can check in with them. I've got an amazing group of executive leaders that I check in with every day, making sure, are we doing things right? Then I look outward. I look to other leaders for advice, for ideas. Um, you know, you with modern technology, you can follow anybody and maybe take some tidbits from them. There's wonderful books that I've read, wonderful podcasts I've listened to. And so that kind of keeps me aligned, and I'm constantly evolving this process. I've got a list of things that I've tried to do for the bank and for me personally, and always updating that. But um, I feel like it's all got to move in the same direction. So if I'm doing something for me, that's got to translate to the bank. It's got to translate to my community. It's got to all fit in my wheelhouse. So first and foremost, knowing who I am. And that's a big, that's been an exploratory process the last few years is who is, who am I as a leader? Who am I as a person, as a banker, as a, as a community leader? I want to be, I want to talk the talk, walk the walk. I worked with a coach out of Cookville, Tennessee recently. He's a mind coach. He, he's at CrossFit Mayhem. He works with athletes. He works with the CEOs. He works with um, business people, anyone you can think of that wants to either better themselves or have a better way to make decisions. And his number one goal was figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I worked on, on this mindset program with him. And uh, it was a wonderful exercise because I got to look inward. Got to die. Finally, we're really good at looking outward and mm -hmm. looking at tomorrow. We never check in. And I, I dug in deep on what are my values? How did I become this person? Who am I as a leader? And it's now I have a code built on that. And I can use that code to help me make these decisions. And I'm, I'm the, that, the basis of my actions. And so because I know who I am, 
it allows me to be a better leader. So I'm very grateful for Jim Hensel at, at CrossFit Mayhem and Mayhem Mindset for helping me learn who I am and give me a foundation for better decisions. That's really cool. What are some other go-to resources for you, whether they're books or authors or podcasters or speakers? What are a few other resources that you really like to kind of lean into for your own growth? I'm a huge fan of following people, I think, I can learn from. I, I use Instagram. I don't use a lot of Facebook or Twitter, but I believe in social media can be a wonderful tool if you use it correctly. It can also be a total time sink and a waste <laughs> of time. <laughs> so uh, follow the people that would make your life better. I follow Laird Hamilton, Jocko, David Goggins, Rich Froning, Ben Greenfield, Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan, Joe DeSena, Aubrey Marcus. And um, I, I even follow some friends that... Um, kind of work for big companies like like for say Amazon uh, Bank of or excuse me JP Morgan Chase uh, some of these larger banks I want to see how uh, professionals in my role who are they following what are they doing but it's wonderful to see other people's ideas on leadership failure um, and and of course a better way to live your life and, and so I'm a huge fan of wellness a huge fan of philanthropy a huge fan of leading by example and a lot of the people I follow uh, whether it be book or podcast all have that same mentality yeah, so it's really good some really great resources you listed there how do you how do you balance all this uh, you know you're high energy you're a high achiever you got branches and employees and you're highly involved in the community. When you, you know, so two, two questions really. One is how do you balance all of it? And when you find yourself out of balance, how do you, how do you try to kind of find yourself back in the middle? Uh, both really good questions. I'm not really good at the balance thing uh, because I don't have a family just yet. I put my career first. I, I do want to have a family. I'd like to start one. I was a workaholic, um, and I all I did was care about the bank and you know the job. And and some people do it backwards. They start a family first. I, I, I'm so I'm no expert in balance, but um, the idea is first and foremost. And I know this is going to sound selfish, but take care of yourself. Um, our industry is notorious for. Um, bad food, bad habits, late mm. hours, lots of travel. Um, I've seen it destroy people's health. And and I want to make sure that I'm taking care of myself if I'm going to be a successful banker, successful leader, successful family man. So sleep, food, wellness, uh, meditation, all the things that I believe make us better people, that comes first. And, and then the next goes into, of course, all the other things like family, work, faith, uh, the other things on what I call my plate. And so um, ha if I get out of balance, um, what I like to do is hit the brakes, get really selfish, say no a lot. Remember, if they're, if it's not benefiting your family, your business, or yourself, you, you, you can kind of say no and hit the brakes. I know we all have huge charts and want to serve others, but sometimes you got to say no. Take personal time. A lot of Fridays or Saturdays I'll take for me take a nap, ground, go do a really nice workout, cook real food, um, breathe, meditate, get a massage. Like those are, get outside. We're so bad at sitting inside and being comfortable all day long. We've got to get outside, get in the sun. Um, I'll go do a mountain bike. I'm a huge mountain biker. I'll go do a trail run like you. Uh, get out, get outside. So that's how I reset. I connect with nature, myself, my faith. I go to church, something to get my mind away from the hustle and bustle because okay. the world will win if you let it. You've got to be selfish. Yeah. What are those triggers for you? Is 
it, is it, you know, when, when you start, stop feeling energetic, is it, is it you start getting sick or, or feeling tired? I mean, what are those kind of triggers for you that make you realize, okay, I'm a little, I'm at a little out of balance here? Well, one thing I learned from Jim Hensel at Mayhem Mindset was uh, how to set the tone for the room. And his, his wonderful piece of advice is we've, leaders need to be the thermostat, not the thermometer. You need to set the temperature of the room. When I realize I'm walking into a room and I'm angry, I'm loud, I'm short, mm. I can't be that motivator that I told you is the most important part of my job. I can't set the tone that day as a calm, collected leader, or I snap at somebody. That's when I know. I need to go. I need to walk away and check out. And so when I am falling off of my duty of a leader and I'm not being a good person, I've got to walk away and take mm, personal time. That's really good. That's really good. What are the what are the biggest in, personal influences in your leadership journey, whether it's an individual or a group of individuals? I mean, what comes to mind when you think of, you know, the most influential people um, on, on your leadership journey and, you know, who, who William Ware is as a leader today? Wow. Uh, I think first and foremost, growing up in a family business, my dad has been wonderful, uh, and my grandfather. They really set the tone for your base, your values, uh, morals, traditions, and, and a good, wise ideas on how to be a, a good person and how to run a business. And so you take those as your foundation, and that's been I've been really lucky. And then our executive team here at AMB have uh, been my mentors for years. I, we have a rule, surround yourself with smarter people, and they've been wonderful uh, just because that you need honest people in your life. And these, these people around here have been truly great. I've also looked to local business leaders. I, I, I sit down with them and I take notes when they talk. And anytime I run into a successful person, whether they be a CEO um, or an athlete, Take a few notes, jot it down on your phone, um, keep that in mind. And more recently, I've been, been listening to um, some, some tough love motivators like Jocko and David Goggins. He's, be- not, afraid of, he's not afraid of getting in your face, is not he? Not <laughs> afraid. And if we've ever had a bad day or feeling low or feeling like I can't do anything, just watch an instant yeah. Instagram post from David Goggins and you'll, you'll be motivated. I like their style. I've, I, their message is we're getting soft. We're not taking care of ourselves and we're not using our minds how we should. And I, I believe you had a quote at your office that said something along the lines of comfort kills. And I believe technology, uh, our success as a country has made us all a little soft. We've gotten complacent. We were sitting too much. We're not moving enough. And I, I think we've gotten a little comfortable in, you know, maybe, maybe, we need to learn how to fail. Maybe we need to learn how to get cold. Maybe we learn to be uncomfortable. Leaders like Goggins and Jocko are really nice, in-your-face ways to say, wake up, um, you're okay, and you're tougher than you think you are. So I've had those. And then um, wellness influencers. Ben Greenfield's been wonderful. Laird Hamilton have been wonderful. Uh, I love their messages. And I do think wellness needs to be on your plate. If you have a you know, some major tenets in your life. Um, wellness covers a lot of it, and that needs to be a priority. So I've, I've, I've used them for my leadership uh, uh, guides. So yeah, that's good. Th- there's a quick list, and, and I could go on all oh, day Oh, I know you leaders. could. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you talk about wellness. I mean, I, I the obvious benefits of wellness are just your physical health, but maybe what are one or two things that you've learned in, in some of the endurance sports you've done or, or some of the things you've done from, you know, whether it be CrossFit or Tough Mudders or whatever, what are a few things you've learned, uh, you know, getting into those that you feel like directly impact 
your leadership beyond just physical wellness and health? What are some of the things you you can take away from some of those things that impact your leadership? Uh, First and foremost is having a really clear head. By taking care of yourself, your brain works phenomenally better than it would had you been eating processed foods, sitting around, not sleeping good, drinking too much alcohol. Having a sharp mind and an incredibly uh, responsive brain has been probably the greatest benefit of all of my wellness journey. On top of that, my capable uh, capabilities. I can really move better. I can. Uh, I'm probably feel like I'm um, quicker reflexes. I also feel like, you know, if I'm going to lead by example, I want to be able to carry things and and run a race at the drop of a hat, do something, go on a hike, do something that, you know, I might not have been able to do five or 10 years ago had I not focused on my wellness. So capabilities is is another thing. And then, of course, I, I talk about leading by example. If I'm going to ask 800 people to do a certain job, well, I would also hope they're taking good care of themselves because if you're healthier, you're happier. Our biggest success in our business is taking care of the customer. How do you take care of the customer? You're cool. You have a great attitude. If you're healthy, you have a good attitude. So happiness, general happiness helps you do your job better. And I think you get that from wellness. You get that from taking care of yourself. So those are probably the biggest things about uh, why I'm a wellness geek. And I sure hope that that translates into our employees taking better care of themselves. Because if the boss is healthy, you might consider being healthy. I'd want to work for someone that takes care of themselves, right? I think you're certainly making that impact. I mean, you know, we showed up a little bit early prior to this podcast and just a couple of people we talked to, Every single one of them on their own accord mentioned your your wellness facility and the benefits of it. And so it seems like you've had a, a huge impact in that way, and that's a, a really positive thing. So so my last question for you is is always my favorite one, and that is what would a William Ware tell himself, you know, if you could go back 15, 20 years ago and talk to the 20-something-year-old William Ware, what, what would you tell him? All right, the first and biggest one I would say is stop drinking. I, I, I think we, we all drink a little too much. And it's got to be the most from practical. a guy that built a bar, that is great. Uh, it's probably, I wish I would have at least slowed it down. That is great. Um, I probably would have said sleep more. You know how when you're young, 60-hour work weeks are really cool. I would say whatever it takes to sleep more. Um, I would also say relax more. Uh, you know, the, the world is is not as, as chaotic as you think. And I think stress is a very silent um, killer and you've got to be really careful. So maybe relax more. Be a little more confident. Um, young people don't have a lot of confidence in their abilities. And I, I feel like they need to realize that, hey, you have so much potential and you, everything you want to do, you can accomplish. So, you know, be a little more confident. Uh, also, I wish I would have gotten to Maybe lifting a little earlier. I, I not like powerlifting or, sure. or weights every day. Just lift a little more weight. So th- those are the things I would have um, would have said. Maybe uh, work smarter, not harder. Yeah, it's good. You know, we're really good at the grind. We're not good at doing smart things. So, um, man, wouldn't. Don't you wish you could go back 20 years? And, yeah, and- well, I don't know if I wish I could go back, but I, I certainly, I'm certainly grateful for, you know, the last 15 years and, and what I've learned through failure and, and you know, some wins and a lot of losses. 
And so certainly, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to think about those things and, you know, talk to my seven-year-old son about it and say, you know, a, a lot of what you're, uh, of what you're saying here, the, you know, the importance of sleep, the, the importance of intentional uh, functional fitness and the discipline that it nurtures. So, yeah, I, I, I certainly wish I could have, like, uh, slapped my 20-year-old self a couple of times, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm really pleased at where we're at now, and I, I wouldn't go back for anything, but yep. all, all really good insight. Well, uh, you've been gracious in giving us your time. Thank you for all your great insight. I, I think our audience is going to really, really enjoy uh, some of the feedback you've shared. And uh, best, best of luck to you and Emerald National Bank as you, you know, continue, uh, continue to build on the legacy and, and even add a little bit of your own signature to it. So we're proud of you and really thankful for, for all the time you've given us. Well, thank you. It's sure been an honor. This has been fun, and, and I love living here. I, I can't hope we're here another 100 years, and uh, I hope all this advice is good advice to the listener. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thanks, William.